Well, if you guys will turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. You know, I was studying and praying this week, preparing, and I heard the Lord say something to me that I've never heard him say before. He said, Sarah, you're, let's see if I want to say it just like he said it. You're well qualified to teach this message. And I've never heard him say that to me about anything. And I think what that can come from, it's not a prideful statement at all. It's really a statement of, you've been there, you've overcome, and you've seen him move in this specific area of your life. And it makes for a, a good, um, let's just say, when you've overcome something, you have a real story to tell. It's not just telling and speaking and talking things that you've heard and things, just knowledge. It's, it's experience with knowledge. And it's a powerful thing. So I want to encourage you this morning to just really open your heart wide open to hear from him. Because I believe he's right here with us. You know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is right there. And Jesus is here to minister this morning to the brokenhearted. And a lot of you may say, well, I'm completely whole. I don't have a broken heart, so this isn't for me. I'm out of here. Well, the truth is, every single one of us at some point in our life have experienced some form of hurt. And if that hurt is not healed in I'm talking about not a healing that man can do, not a healing that self-care can do, that self-help can do, but only a healing that Jesus can do. If those hurts and those broken places in the heart are not dealt with fully, they will come up later on in life. They'll either come up in a relationship, they'll come up in, uh, you may, it may have happened in another church and you've come into a new church. Those things will always manifest again unless they are healed from the inside out. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit heals to the uttermost. So this morning, we're going to believe God for complete healing and restoration over things maybe you've hidden away in your heart. You know, even science has found that people that have been through trauma and pain and problems, there will actually be a part of your body that will hide away those things to try to keep you from thinking about it, try to keep you from remembering it, actually try to protect you to some form or fashion. But those things can get stored in the body. And we are not interested in having any root, anything in us that won't be able to bless the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to read to you this morning. We're going to read out of Proverbs chapter 4. And we've been in a series on guarding the heart. And so I'm just going to continue in this. It says in verse 20, My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh is the word of God health to every part of our flesh. It is. It says this, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Did you know some translations of that verse say above all else? 
keep above all else, keep your heart or guard your heart. This series has been called Guarding Your Heart. And as I went back and thought about this, one of the best things that Jeremy said over the last few weeks, well, let's just, I wouldn't say it's the best thing. He said a lot of good things from the Holy Spirit. Let's just say God said it to us. Um, We'll give him glory for it. But as the Lord's ministered to us, one thing that's hit me, and I know this is probably the simplest thing that's been said, but I'm a pretty basic, simple person. I like things said to me very black and white. I like it clear. I I don't like to be in the dark about anything. And I heard this in my heart when Jeremy was speaking, and I'm probably not going to say it exactly like you said it, but this is the way I got it. The heart is connected to every part or out of it, out of the heart, flow the issues of life. Those issues like a river flow to every part of the body. The heart is connected to every part. And so if you think about that from God's perspective and how he told, he, Solomon gave us all of these proverbs, the wonderful nuggets of wisdom, right? But he said, above all else, guard your heart. The heart is everything to God. He is all about the heart. If you go back and look in scripture at the heart, how many times? Did you know that the heart is talked about 800 times in scripture? Over 800 times. And if you go back and look, you can see so many men and women of God who were used by God, who were put in leadership by God, it all went back to the condition of their heart. And didn't God say this about David? He said that David is a man after my own heart who will do all my will. He also said this, this is awesome, that the eyes of the Lord scan the whole earth in search of one person, he stops. Okay, get, just get a picture of this. He scans the whole earth, but he stops on the one person whose heart is perfect toward him. How important is the heart to God? It's, I'm convinced after studying about the heart in scripture that it may be the most important part of us. And as I studied, I thought about all the different places that means something to me in scripture about the heart. You know, the Bible talks about how the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can tell what's going on in the heart by the words that are coming out of your lips. It also talks about how Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter five, that our very encounters with God are based on our heart. He says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So if you want to experience God and see him, the heart has everything to do with it. You know, the heart is where we love from. It's where we dream from. It's where we believe from. Oh, it's where we, um, it's, it's our inward man. It's where God himself abides. It's where he communicates to us. He's all about the heart. And it is the essence of who we are. See, we, we see this, that in the Bible, the heart and the mouth have to be in the same place to be born again. That's a powerful thought. 
The heart has to be involved for you to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Man, that's an awesome thing. It says this, you know, I thought all the, all the amazing times it talks about the heart, you'd have to study it out. We'd have to do a series for a year to talk about all of it. But a heart in the scripture can either be hard or it can be tender. It can be troubled or it can be at peace. It can be prideful or it can also be humble. It can be full of despair or it can be full of joy. It can be full of doubt or it can be full of faith. And a heart, it can be hurt, but it can also be healed. And as much as something hurts, that's as much as it can be healed. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And as I was going back and looking at my experience with this and the people that I've known and, you know, you can't walk through life without, number one, being hurt. At some point, maybe you're little, you're out on the playground, the devil uses some bully to say something mean to you. I know when I was little on the playground, I remember this one little punk. He told me that I had a big nose. Okay, I'm not upset about it anymore, okay? You know, everybody's like, oh, are you still dealing with that? No, I'm not dealing with that anymore. Um, but it tried to hang around for a long time. Words can hurt. But then I realized as I grew up and I became more acquainted with God's word, that words can also heal. There are words that can heal. And I thought about this um, friend that I've had. She actually used to be my vocal coach. And her name was Sarah. She's a beautiful woman of God. And she began to tell me her story of when she was healed of a heart cancer, a very serious cancer. And I asked her, I said, can you tell me about the years leading up to that diagnosis? She told me that all the years leading up to that, she had had a very traumatic experience in her life. Her parents got divorced. Her dad, who was in ministry, and her best friend all of a sudden uh, turned on her. We think it was something psychological. He decided that he was upset with her, that she made her to feel basically unwanted, uh, completely not valued in the family. She was about 15 years old when this happened, but then she went off to college and had no relationship with him. She was, I, the only way to describe it was heartbroken, completely heartbroken, devastated. And she said that um, she had this diagnosis not long after that. And I really believed after hearing this story and the things I've studied, that this heartbreak opened up the door to the, disaster and the disease that tried to take her life. And as time went on, she said that she just sought the Lord about her healing. And you know, I don't even know if she's like, you know, really in the same camp as us. I don't, she's really not, I don't think. But she had just cried out to the Lord, help me Lord with this. And she was cleaning her house one day and she heard the Lord speak to her so clearly on the inside. And he said, Sarah, 
I'm healing your heart so that I can heal your heart. And and that hit me. These little hurts, these little things, emotional, things that we let pass the guard, we let into our lives, they can be very destructive if not dealt with and not at some point we if we don't receive healing from the lord and so i realized you know the heart is connected to every part and i have been on a mission for the last i don't know how many years the lord told jeremy and i I would say at least 10 years ago, get healthy in your souls. Get healthy in your heart. I took it very seriously and I began to just check my heart. Lord, show me. Go back. Take me back and show me the things that need, the hurts and the pains that need to be healed. And he has. And he has done a a marvelous job of it. And, um, you know, this (laughs) Jesus is spoken of in Isaiah chapter 53. And it says this in verse uh, three, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then it says this, surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Did you know that the word grief can also mean heartache or heartbreak? Jesus' heart was broken so yours and mine wouldn't have to be. It's a powerful, powerful thing to recognize in life. Most people and many people in our circles are not evaluating the condition of their heart. They are not being honest about where they've been where they need to be, what needs to be healed, what needs to be overcame. They are looking at something. Faith is way up here and out here for something. But God is saying, I want you to go back and look at the issues of the heart. And so as I read this, I thought about, I'm going to get all my notes out here. We got, y'all don't even want to know how many notes I have here. I promise you though, we're going to be really quick today. I'm not by blood a Copeland, okay? I'm by blood a, do y'all know what I meant by that? Because everybody laughed. Y'all are going to be, y'all are going to love it when I preach. Because I'm going to come in here and you're going to be out of here in 45 minutes. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just playing. It's a total joke. Um, so everyone at some point has been hurt in life. Y'all, I have been hurt in life. I have been mistreated in life. I have cried. I have been on my face and I have cried. I have um, let things in past this boundary that should have been up. I've let things in that I should never have let in. So this message today is not from a high and a lofty place. This is from a place of I know what it's like. I've been there and I have let it break. I have let my heart break. And, you know, a lot of times the the enemy works, you know, sometimes it can be in teenage relationships for the first time. And 
there's a disappointment that it didn't work out the way it should have gone. Or maybe as an adult, dreams deferred, or there's a heartbreak that happens as a result of that or a hurt. Or as you go on in life, maybe there's been people that have been through a divorce or abuse. And, and, you know, I'm not pretending like I have been through all of those things, but I have been in ministry for a long time. And I know that you can't be in ministry for any length of time and not have walked through many things with people, many hurts, many heartbreaks. But the Bible says, that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I believe that every hurt or heartbreak is a result of an unmet expectation. At some point in life, we expected things to go better than they did. We expected a relationship to work out and maybe it didn't. We expected that raise at work or a promotion at church or a place that we expected it and it didn't happen and then the result was hurt. I expected them to love me more or wanna be close to me, but they rejected me. Now I'm hurt. I expected a family member to heal and overcome, but they left and went home early, and now I'm hurt. I was wounded as a child, and now I'm still hurting. These are things that I got in my spirit this week that people are saying. I, you don't know what I've been through and how I've hurt. But physical wounds and spiritual things are meant to be healed. God designed our bodies to heal, but he also designed our hearts to heal. And you know, if you don't let a hurt heal or don't treat it and take care of it, what will happen over time? It starts to fester. It starts to get infectious. It starts to spread. And I don't want to be that to anyone else. I don't want to be infectious. I don't want to spread bitterness. I don't want to spread unforgiveness or hurt or pain. I want to be the healed of the Lord that heals people. Not the hurt, hurting people. A healed person who is constantly healing and blessing people. I want to show you all a couple pictures. Uh, Jay, do you have those pictures? Guys, we just got back from vacation. I want to show you some pictures of us. Now, does anybody else figure it out on vacation? Oh, okay, that's a funny one. Um, we're very up close and personal here. Jeremy, are you happy that I'm showing this? Um, he didn't know I was going to show these. Has anybody ever figured, have you figured out yet that on vacation, going on vacation with your kids is a different kind of vacation than going on vacation with your spouse? Anybody else? Okay, so... <laughs> yes, it's true. And I have not learned yet that vacation is supposed to be for rest. What I do, I think vacation is for memories. And so what I do is I pack up every day of the vacation with some exciting um, adventure for my children. I never want them to forget how exciting of a mother I was. Anybody else in here? You know, yeah, adventurous. Anybody adventurous? I know some of you, you're mountain people. You are 
You are hikers, you are bikers, you are kayakers. Come on now. Okay, no. Snowboarders, skiers. Okay, okay. Y'all, y'all, y'all get up here and do this sometime. And then when you want me to get involved in what, no. Okay, so I've just learned that I haven't quite learned how to do vacation because I think it's supposed to be about making the memories that will last a lifetime. You know, this is, this is what it's all about. I don't care how much money you spend on it. I don't care what it takes. I, my child is gonna remember how awesome I am. You know, that's, what, that's my goal. Not really. I want them to have fun. And so I packed the whole trip full, you know, from the beginning, kayaking four hours out to this little island. Okay, is that really restful? I mean, I'm working every day for two years on this church. I need another break. Now, me and Jeremy, we're going to go on a vacation soon. You promise me you'll take me on one? After this, I said, I need a vacation after my vacation. Anyone else? Okay, so go back to the first one. So this is us. We're doing the treetop adventures. Have y'all ever done that where you go zip lining and you, it's, it's basically a really hard workout for like three hours. And, but my kids, they loved it. And then the second one, I can't remember. Oh, don't we look so refreshed? We weren't. We were really tired. And then the third one, this is my view in the kayak. Isn't that a little cutie booty right there? Oh, he's so cute. I love him. So... I just, I was on this kayak trip and um, we were out and this was about hour number two. We were into the second hour and I'm paddling and man, my finger is really hurting. My right in between my thumb and my um, pointer finger. And I'm like, man, this is really hurting. So finally, after about an hour, I look down and I have like basically worn a hole in my skin from the, from the paddle. I don't know, but finally I got caught up to the other guys and the, our guide gave, a, gave me a Band-Aid. Hit a Band-Aid. So I put the Band-Aid, wrapped it, and then went home. And that night I took it off and it wasn't looking so good, okay? That Band-Aid only worked for a few hours. It wasn't gonna heal that wound. And I got home and I realized I needed to do two things. I needed to wash that wound out with some water. And I also needed to put some really good ointment on it. And as I thought about this, I thought, this is the exact way that healing works. You need the washing of the water by the word of God. And you also need him to pour in the oil, that anointing oil that is the type of the Holy Spirit that comes in and refreshes and heals and soothes and brings something back to life. That is the word and the spirit working together. As I prayed about this, I went back and I thought about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I just want to read this to you. That he created the heavens and the earth. This is Genesis 1, 2. And the earth was out form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God. He was hovering on the face of the waters and then God said something. The spirit of God was there. He was there. He was ready to move. He was ready to act. He was ready to create. He was ready to do whatever the Spirit of God said to do. And he was hovering on the face of the water. And then God said something. And the Spirit of God 
brought it to pass. God said, let there be light. And then there was light. Who was it that made the light? God said it and the Holy Spirit brought it to pass. It was the word and it was the spirit working together. Um, Ephesians chapter five says this, he might sanctify and cleanse her, talking about the church, with the washing of the water by the word. Ezekiel 16, nine says this, I washed you in water, yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood and anointed you with oil. Whew, that is awesome. Why don't you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Man, this is good. This is good news. I'm just going to declare it right now. Anybody else want to shout? I, 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 I. Yes, it's so good. So good. Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out of the spirit, out in the spirit of the Lord. This is Ezekiel the prophet. He set me down in the midst of a valley and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many, uh, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. What was dry? The bones were very dry. Have you ever been in a dry place? A dead place? That's what this represents. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? God invites Ezekiel into this conversation. He invites him into the moment. A mere man. He invites him in and he says, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord God, you know pretty good answer, huh? Smart guy, right? Oh, Lord God, you know. And then it says this. He said to me, prophesy or say to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. God's saying, I'm telling you to put my words in your mouth. And if you will, something miraculous is gonna happen. He says, say this, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with the skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am Lord. Why? Because when all else has failed, when you have felt dry, when you've come to the end of yourself, when you've been on the brink of death, when things have been broken and things have been hurting, what do you need? You need to put God's word in your mouth and speak to your body again. Speak to your heart again. Tell your heart to beat again. And so it says, Ezekiel says, so I prophesied, <laughs> and as I was commanded, I, I did what he told me to do, and as I said it, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. 
Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, or say this. Breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and I said to the breath, come into them, and they lived. And they stood up on their feet and an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed said, our bones are dry. Now, have you ever said this or felt this? My bones are dry. I've been in a dry place. My hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Have you ever been cut off? Have you ever been unwanted? Have you ever been uh, maybe from your own doing or from someone else's? Have you been shut out? Have you been an outcast? Have you been put out? Then it says this, verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and I'll bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves or basically I have brought you back from the death. I have brought you back from a place that there was no return from. He says that then you shall know that I am the Lord. I've opened those graves. I brought you back up. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I'll place you in your own land. That means I'll give you your own. You won't be dependent on anybody else anymore. It doesn't matter where you've been, where you've come from, that he's gonna take you out of that place and bring you into a better place. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Glory to God. God invited Ezekiel a mere man into his own miracle. How? Through the words of his mouth. He told him, tell them to live again. Tell broken places to be healed again. I'm telling you this morning, I thought, as I prayed about this, I heard this one phrase in my heart. I'm gonna tell you what it is in a second. So I looked up that phrase and I found this story and it really... I thought it was an awesome, awesome story. And it's a true story about a pastor who had a surgeon in his church. And that surgeon was a cardiac surgeon, a heart surgeon. And he asked that surgeon, he said, I've always wanted to see a surgery performed. Can I come watch you do a surgery on someone? And so he went in to this surgery and he watched. And while they did this surgery, they fixed this lady's heart perfectly. Just fix it right up. Surgery was done. Everything was successful, except for her heart stopped beating in the middle of the surgery. And then the doctor tried to revive her over and over again. And the pastor's watching the doctor try to revive her. And it's starting to get a bit concerning and she's not coming back and she's not revived. So the, the surgeon gets down on his knees in the hospital room. He takes off his mask and he says this to her, I want to get it just right. He says, Miss Johnson, I performed the surgery. It was successful. Your heart is fixed. Now you tell your heart to beat again. And her heart started beating again. And I thought all about what Jesus has done for us, that we are no longer unwanted. We are no longer the outcast. 
We are no longer the hurt and broken. We are no longer needing someone else to fill a void and to make something right for us. We are the forgiven. We are the justified. We are the healed of the Lord. He has performed it. We have to speak to our heart. We have to take up our place in this partnership with him and tell our heart to beat again. Thank you, Lord, that rhymed, so it must have been true. <laughs> Tell your heart to beat again. You know, Hebrews 4, 2, it says, Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. God invites us in to our miracle. A mere man, mere women, he invites us in to see his work. And how do we do it? We have to tell a heart to beat again. Oh, I thought, tell your heart to beat again? How do you do that? You gotta tell your heart that Jesus has already finished the work. Tell your heart to rise up and overcome. Tell your heart, you are strong, it's not over. Tell your heart, go on with God. Tell your heart, forgive and let it go. Tell your heart, I'm in control. Tell your heart, be of good courage. Now, a lot of people don't like that saying, I'm in control. I just heard that in my spirit. But the Bible tells you, guard your heart. So you are in control of the condition of your heart. Nobody else has more power in your life than you do. You are a powerful person. Tell your heart to beat again. Tell your heart, be of good cheer. Tell your heart, do not fear. Tell your heart, guard, guard it. Tell your heart, beat again. You know, when Jesse was born, my little girl, we had a water birth, a home birth. And it was one of the most amazing experiences. And they warned us ahead of time, when that baby comes out in that water, we're gonna pull her up out of the water. And oftentimes those babies do not breathe for a little bit. And they said, we're gonna tell you when you get, thank God I had a spirit-filled midwife. Is that awesome? And so we got in there and had an amazing, miraculous birth. And they pulled Jessie up out of that water and she wasn't breathing. And the midwife said to Jeremy, Daddy, lay your hand on her and tell her to breathe. And Jeremy leaned over and laid his hand on her and said, baby, breathe in Jesus' name. And she, took, she just took a deep breath. <gasps> I thought about what is it like that God can tell us not only just breathe, but tell us, tell yourself to breathe again. Tell that thing that is broken, come back to life. Tell that dead thing. This is the power that he's given us over our heart and over our lives, and over so many situations in our life. And I'm encouraging you this morning to tell your heart to beat again. Whatever's been broken, whatever's been hurt, whatever's been dead, whatever's been dried up, tell it to beat again. Get up, tell it, 
get up, go on with God. God has a plan for your life. And you don't want any hurt. You don't want anything from the past to keep you from doing all that he's called to do. You know, I think about Paul and his life and what he went through. And he said he was the chiefest of sinners. The chiefest of sinners. And God still took his life and turned it around. You know how much heartache and hurt he must have had? Shame, pain, regret, uh, you know, stuff going on in his soul because of what he had done to persecute the church. He was actually involved in the murder of Stephen. And God still took his life and breathed life into him and gave him a purpose, gave him a plan, gave him a calling. Any heartbreak that he had dealt with before, man, he, he healed that heart and set him, set his feet on a rock caused him to go on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I, I thought about when I was preparing my little girl. Have you, do you, anybody have a, have a child in here that constantly picks their scabs? Yes, so many hands. Is it not the most frustrating thing in the world? Just as soon as it's almost healed. I mean, you put, the, you put stuff on ointment, you put a Band-Aid. Just as soon as it's almost healed, Mommy, I picked this again. I'm like, why? Why? Just go put a Band-Aid over it. Don't pick. Why are you picking? This doesn't make sense to me. And it's just, I'm like, listen, I don't want you to have scars on your legs when you get to be my age. Just don't pick. But it's, it, I just wonder what it feels like to God sometimes when we are almost healed up and we keep picking that scab off every time we talk about what somebody did to us, uh, maybe in a last relationship or at work or at our last church. We keep talking about how they mistreated us and they hurt us. And God's like, did you not get the word that I gave you to heal that? Did you not experience the Holy Spirit coming on you and, and that anointing to heal that? I already gave you my word and my spirit and I've been working in your heart to heal. But every time that you talk it, every th time you bring it up again, every time that you, you let it, you're letting it fester. You're letting it be infected. You're just, peeling it, you're just peeling it right off again and you can't heal. That's how it works in the spirit. And I just thought about here, some ways, you know, healing always comes. You receive healing, it always comes. God gives it, it's here. The only thing that can stop it is my own interruption. Unless it, it'll come and it will heal unless it's interrupted. And I just thought about some things that we can do just practically to let these, win, these wounds and these hurts heal more quickly. I'm gonna give them to you real quick. The first one is recognition. You need to, first of all, acknowledge there is a wound here. I didn't even realize that I was hurt from something that someone didn't do for me. Maybe... Oh, we could get into so many examples, but that, that expectation that wasn't met, whether I put it on them or even if it should have been on them, that expectation was there. I have a wound and I choose to receive healing. I wanna be whole. I'm, gonna, I'm going to recognize that there's a hurt. That's the first step. It's, 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 simp it's as simple as just being honest, 
recognize it. Number two, responsibility. I'm gonna take responsibility. I'm gonna take um, inventory of my life. I'm gonna be really honest and I'm gonna refuse to blame anybody else for my hurt any longer. People that play the blame game keep on playing the blame game. They keep themselves, they limit themselves from receiving the blessing of the Lord. I'm not gonna blame anybody else for it. I'm I'm gonna take responsibility for it. See, my heart is my responsibility. Your heart is your responsibility. It's no one else's. I was thinking about this. I have a neighbor across the street. What if I required of him all the time to mow my yard? And I was like, why didn't you mow my yard last week? I've got, I've got, look how, how much it's grown out. There are, why didn't you come clean out my garden? Why didn't you come rip out those weeds? I mean, this is my yard. Why aren't you coming over into my yard and fixing it? Why? It's because my yard is my yard. <laughs> and I have to take ownership of it. He owns his yard. I own my yard. He's not responsible for my yard. If I were to go to him and say that, it would be, it would be very unhealthy. You fix all my stuff for me all the time. No, I'm going to take responsibility. My heart is my heart. But, you know, when we look to God as a source of, for love and healing, a lot of times when people talk about God being your source, they only think of it in terms of money and finances. No, God should be our source for everything in life our source for validation, our source for comfort, our source for love, our source for everything we're hungry for, satisfaction. He is the source of my life. Every emotional need, I'm not gonna put that and place that on any man. My expectation is in God alone. There's no more, woe is me. (laughs) And so the third one is real repentance. Lord, I'm gonna take part in, in, if there's anything that I saw this situation wrong, I'm gonna take responsibility for it. I'm gonna get real and honest with you. I'm not gonna look to man, but I'm gonna look to you. And the fourth one is just to rethink and replace those lies with truth. You know, the world calls when you're hurt or you can tell by the way you're hurt is by a trigger. Have you heard people talk about this? It's like really in mental health right now. People are talking about triggers. Well, Trigger, a trigger is just a sign that you have a hurt that hasn't been dealt with or healed completely. And when you have that trigger or you have something that sets you off and reminds you of the past or reminds you of a hurt, that is the moment to immediately open your mouth and replace it with the truth. I'm not gonna believe the lie about this anymore. I'm gonna rise up. Heart, I tell you, beat again. The truth is my heart is healed. The truth is that I haven't put, I will put no expectation on man to meet my need. The truth is God is my source for every bit of validation. He's my source for life and health and peace. Um, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. And this is one of the most beautiful stories. And it's the story in the parable of the Good Samaritan when I read this story, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try not to cry, but I just think it's amazing. And I want to just tell you a few things about this that just really ministered to me. 
In verse 30, it says, Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, hurt him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, Now by chance a certain priest came down from the road. When he saw him, he just passed him by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. You know, I just believe that this priest and this Levite, they represented the law and how the law could not do for man what he needed it to do for him. The law could not heal man. The law could only point to something or another need that was greater. It showed man what he was in need of. And then we see in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, who is a picture of Jesus, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. Isn't it interesting that the Levite and the priest, they just passed him on by. But Jesus, he came right to where he was and he met with him. You know, my pastor, um, our pastor Keith Moore, he said this before, and it's always resonated with me. He said, God will meet you where you are, but not where you pretend to be. And I just think it's a powerful thing. If you want to be healed, you got to get really honest. You got to recognize the state you're in. You got to recognize that there's something that's in need of healing. It says, as the, the certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine. And he set him on his own animal and he brought him into the inn and took care of him. What a beautiful picture that the Samaritan didn't leave him to himself. When he was hurt and broken, he came to him and he poured in the oil and the wine, which is a beautiful beautiful picture of redemption and the blood of Jesus and the blood that still speaks and cries out mercy for us. And then the Holy Spirit and his work and how he can come in and pour in the oil and the wine. That oil that soothes, it heals Now, back in this time, they would mix together oil and wine to heal the wound, apply it to the wound. You know, what you need in every case, this is how you heal. You apply the word of God and you apply the anointing and you don't leave one or the other out. It is the anointed word, God's, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit that does the work. God says it or gives us the words to say it. Tell your heart to beat again. And the Holy Spirit moves on that word and brings it to pass. And I love this when it says he bandaged him up. Isn't that what Jesus does for us? He takes us, no matter what state we're in, he binds up our wounds. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up our wounds. He takes us, he heals us, and then he pours in, oh, that new birth. He pours in that salvation. He pours in the work of the Holy Spirit. And then after that, he sets him on his own animal. That means he provides for him. He, he gives to him. He helps him. He gives him his own. You know, you don't have to look to man anymore to meet your need. In your heart, in your soul, in your body, in your finances, you don't have to look to man to do anything for you. 
You can look to God for everything. He will give you your own. And then it says this, he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. I believe that the inn is the picture of the church. He brings him into the church and then he, it's a place of safekeeping. It's a place, it's a safe place where God takes care of his people. You can't be walking with God and not go to church. Oh, there you go. You can't be walking with God. He sets people in a family. He tells us, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He tells us to get in and be a part of something. Why? Because it's supposed to be a safe place like an inn, a place for safekeeping. And you know, there's a lot of people that have come into this church and are going to come into this church that are hurt. And you know what? That's okay. But we will not let you stay hurt in this church. (laughs) We will not. Why? Because you wanna grow up and you wanna become so strong in the Lord so healed that you're able to bless humanity. No more woe is me. No more I'm hurt, I'm broken. This is what happened to me when I was little and I can never overcome it. No, no more woe is me. It is instead supposed to be how can I bless you? How can I be a blessing to you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? And healed people heal people helped people help people. And that is going to be the work of the church. You know what? I heard this in my spirit this week from the Lord. I heard him say to me, this is a church of second chances. We should be in this church the most gracious of people. The safest place people can come. Now we won't always tell you that everything you do is right or dandy or We want to help you. We'll tell you the truth. We'll speak the truth in love. But a safe place, not fault finding, not not always criticizing, but full of the high level agape kind of love. You know, agape love and human love, they are not the same thing. Agape, human love says this, I love you and I'll do for you when you do for me. I'll love you if you love me. But agape says, I will love you no matter how you love me, no matter how you treat me, I will love you. And you know, a lot of people have put a higher standard on people in the church, even though people in the church have been broken and hurt at times, they'll put a higher standard on them and expect them to do things for them and treat them. And if they don't do just the right thing, if they say not everything perfect, they're out of here and they're on to somewhere else. And then when you go to work, you're like, oh, I'm gonna have grace on these people. These people don't know. They don't have a clue. Well, what what if we were gracious people? What if we loved no matter what people did to us? What if we were gracious? You know, (laughs) people who call themselves grace people should be the most gracious people. (laughs) Oftentimes we want to We want people to be merciful to us without showing mercy. But mercy is a seed. Thank you, Laura. That's good, Sarah. That's good preaching. That's good. You know what else? God is not a gossip. He's not a gossip. He will not tell you the sins of other people that he doesn't remember anymore. 
and so intense all at the same time. Um, You know, one who has been forgiven much shows much love. You know, all of us in this whole room have a mercy story. Different ones, different stories, but mercy stories of the goodness of God and how good he's been to us, how merciful and kind, how loving. And we are going to be a safe place where everybody that comes in here is shown. We showed them the mercy of God, the grace of God. You know, when my mom went home to, I'm almost done here. When my mom went to heaven um, back in April, it was early. It was unexpected. Um, I have been, I've spent enough time with the Lord that he sh- he's shown me these things about how important it is to guard the heart for many years. So when this happened in my life, I knew I had to guard my heart. I remember one of the last days I had with her, I was driving to the hospital and I, I felt this overwhelming just pressure on my heart. Um, she had, you know, it was, it was not, we had all been, ex- our expectation had been that she would continue to live and not die. And I felt this pressure on my heart. And I said to the Lord, what is that? on me. What is that? I I also, as I was driving, I had this supernatural peace, supernatural joy. It was the comfort of the Holy Spirit, what it was. You know, the Bible says that we don't sorrow like those who sorrow. That means that we're not supposed to, knowing God, we're not supposed to grieve the way that the world grieves in sorrow like them. And I just had this pressure on my heart. I said, Lord, what is that? What is that? I could just, it's like I could feel it in my, my very core of my being. And I heard in my spirit so clearly, he says, Sarah, you're guarding your heart. And I thought, man, I've never experienced it tangibly like that. I had put up a guard over my heart that I would not let any grief in. I would not let any sorrow in. And a lot of people, they'll tell you, you need to grieve. You need to hurt. No, no, no. You need to be honest and you need to talk to God about it and you need to get free and you need to get healed, but you don't have to grieve and sorrow like the world sorrows. And so I made a, I, I purposed in my heart, I was going to guard my heart. Well, time went on and, you know, the Holy Spirit just did such supernatural things for us. I mean, we, I had a couple dreams with my mom in them. Someday I'll tell you about them. It's for another time, but it's so special to me ministered to me. The Lord ministered to me. Um, we had an amazing homegoing service for her, just supernatural. You know, the Lord heals your heart in the midst of all those things. And I noticed after a couple months, I heard the Lord speak to me, and he's told me regarding my little girl, Jessie, he said, she needs you this summer. I thought, okay. He said, you need to spend a lot of time with her this summer. I thought, okay, uh, Lord, I'll do that. Well, in the following weeks, I started to find out why. Um, She started to express some signs of grief. 
that a child sometimes processes things differently than an adult. You know, we've had years and years of the word put in us. We have understanding in things that we see maybe unlike what children have had yet the t- just the time to know and to understand and to hear and have planted in them. And she started to have some things that were, you could tell, bothering her because she was saying things that weren't like her. And so Jeremy and I finally came to the conclusion, we think this has something to do with mom going home early. And so we called one of our um, friends who is a psychologist and we asked him, do you think these things are connected? You know, by the spirit, we're getting that, but we wanted to verify it with someone who we trusted, who was spirit-filled man of God. And we asked him, does this sound just from your perspective, like it's connected? He said, absolutely. It's everything to do with your mom going to heaven early. She was one of the closest people to Jesse um, that Jesse's ever been close to in life. And as a seven-year-old, that's different than as a, as you grow up, you learn these things about the Lord and how to process it. So we asked the Lord, help us, show us what to do. And we begin to pray over her in the morning, speak the word over her. And I would say in the morning, I would say, she is a disciple taught of the Lord. She seemed to be confused. She seemed to be hurting to some degree. I said, she's a disciple taught of the Lord. Great is her peace, her undisturbed composure. I would speak the word over her every morning and declare the word over her. I would, I would just, everything that, you know, every weapon that was formed against her by the enemy, what he tried to steal for her, from her that he could not steal, and that she would be tender toward God and have a heart after him no matter what happened at this time in her life. And so I began to pray these things over her and she would come to me and we've had a lot of honest conversations. We talked a lot. She'd tell me things that she was thinking and feeling. Some of it would be um, a little disturbing to my heart. And so one night I realized I would tell her the scripture. I would tell her the word. I would try to help her and something wasn't clicking. And I just thought, Lord, you're going to have to help me show me what's not clicking. And it was, it was, it was going into months of it a couple months in, and I was sitting in the living room holding my little baby nephew, Ezra, (laughs) and my brother Jordan and uh, my uh, sister Courtney were over at the house, and Jordan went to the piano, and he began to play, (laughs) and the anointing came in the room, and I just began to cry, and I just began to sense the presence of the Lord, and at the same time, Jesse walked over to me, and Jordan began to sing and to play, And the anointing was so heavy in the room, she just grabbed me, my little girl, just grabbed me and started weeping and crying. And I noticed in that moment, Jeremy turned to me and he looked at me and he said, the evil spirit left whenever David began to play for Saul. What is that? That's the anointing. And no matter how many words I said to her, no matter how much I tried to get through to her what she needed to hear over and over again, I needed the oil of the Holy Spirit. I needed the anointing to come in on that situation and to change her little heart and to help her and to heal her broken heart. It wasn't enough for me just to tell her what I thought, to just even tell her scripture after scripture after scripture. I needed the anointing. I needed the word and the anointed word, and I needed to let it wash over her. This happened time and time again. One night I was laying in bed with her, and the same things were happening, and I was just, I was, I was um, tempted to be discouraged, and I decided to sing to her. 
you know, I, I can't believe that I didn't think about that. <laughs> uh, the, the, how the anointing comes and ministers through that. So I just started singing to her, even though she was confused and she didn't understand what was going on, everything with Nini. I began to sing to her. And as I sang it, she started to weep again. And she said, Mommy, it's just so sweet. It's just so sweet. And then it happened again. <laughs> At the piano one night, I was playing and I started to play the song Behold that we do in here sometimes. And the anointing just comes in and it washes over in that room, in her bedroom. And she just began to weep again. And she said, Mommy, just every time you sing these songs, my heart, my heart, she couldn't even express what she was feeling. See, you don't, it's not all about what you can express with your head and with your mind. You just got to have that anointing to wash over and to come in. And I realized in that moment, this is what's going to heal her broken heart. This is what heals the the brokenhearted. It's the word of God and it's the anointed word. You know, a lot of people wonder why we sing the songs that we do in this church. And the reason we do is because there's two things in these songs. There's the word of God and there's the spirit of God. And you need both of those working together in order to have a miracle. The word of God, we speak it. We tell our heart to beat again. We tell things to be healed and whole. And we just believe that the Holy Spirit goes to work and manifests the word. And I'll just read you this one last um, scripture. It's in Psalm 105, 25. You know, if you'll just stand up with me, we're gonna go ahead. Y'all can go ahead and play, start playing. We're gonna take communion together this morning. And um, Psalm 105, verse 25, it says this. And the wine, it's talking about things that God does for us and things that God gives us. And this is prophetic of Jesus. It says, and the wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. That's the wine, that's the oil, that's the bread. Is representative of Jesus and what he's done for us, his body broken for us, that ours would be healed. His heart, he took all our grief, all our sorrow, all our pain, so we don't have to carry it anymore. He made the great exchange. Oh, what a redemption, huh? A lot of people say, well, you don't know how far, you can come over here, babe. You don't know how far that, um, how far I've gone, how far gone I am. You don't know how I've messed up. You don't know, man, I'm telling you, you don't know how strong the blood is. The mercy of the Lord, it endures forever and ever and ever. It endures toward you. It endures toward me. And it, it endures forever into eternity. So the, I love this and it says, God gives us the wine that makes glad the heart of man. Isn't that true? That when we were, Jesus spilled his blood for us, the precious blood of Jesus, that his mercy makes our heart glad, that we get to go on and pick our lives up again and keep going. That's, that'll make for a glad heart. And then the oil, it'll make you, it, it's the anointing that makes his face shine upon you. It's the anointing that brings us back to life and gives us this glow about us again. When things were dried out, it's the anointing that it brings life to it, moistens it again and heals it. And then it says this in the bread, which strengthens man's heart. And when you know what Jesus, his body, his bread, the bread just represents his body. When it was broken for us, it is what strengthens 
our hearts. Getting a revelation that this was broken. His body broken for us. His blood spilled for us. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.